Wine You. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Wine You Wish Upon a Star, the unofficial Disney fan cast of two adults who watch Disney movies in theatrically released order and then drink some wine. I am your host, Joe Pale. I'm your host, Brenna Pale, and welcome to our podcast. This week, we watched The Sword in the Stone from 1963. Which had very little swords and very little stones. Yes. But we'll get to that. First, we'd like to start out with a shout out to our friend Zach Hightower, who is the curator of the Real High podcast. We were on his podcast last week, and you can check us out. We watched Pirates of the Caribbean 4, No Man's Land. Very, very close. Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Right. It should be called (laughs) No One Should Watch This. (laughs) It's a really funny podcast. It's very similar to this podcast, and um, we urge all of our listeners to go check it out. Uh, It's available on Apple and Google and Spotify and all the places where you can get your podcasts. And that's Real High with Zach Hightower, spelled R-E-E-L. We had a lot of fun on his podcast. We did a lot of math So if you want to know what that's all about, go and check it out. Our wine, while we watched this movie, was called Castle Rock. And we chose it because, one, castles, because it has to do with the King Arthur legend, and also the rock, which is the stone that the sword is pulled from. Although it's not really a stone, is it? It's an anvil. The only thing I have written down is wine is bland. Tastes like water. It was very watery, but it was enjoyable if you wanted to hydrate. I mean, I could put it in my camelback and take it on a run. We poured it. It was like a rosé. When we opened it, it went, Yeah, it was a screw top one. That should have been our first indication. But, uh, you know, it was themed. The movie starts with yet another book and song. I feel like Disney is just trying to read us books. And it quickly just goes through, like, the sword will say who the king of England is. There's no king. Uh, No one could move the sword. They forgot about it. It's a dark ages. Everyone's in fear. The strong preyed on the weak. They show birds trying to eat squirrels, which I feel like is pretty normal. And then you see Merlin trying to pull water out of a well. And he's just yelling. And he's like, why am I in a time when there's no plumbing and no electricity? This is the worst. I'm pissed. For a moment, you're just thinking like, oh, well, wonder when this takes place. Like, I thought this was in the 1600s or 1700s. And he's yelling about electricity and stuff. So it's like, well, maybe it takes place later. But he specifically says like later on, like, oh, yeah, I can see everything into the future. Also, I've been there, which is sort of like, why? Why would you stay here? Why? why? Yeah, like he's right. There's no plumbing and no electricity. Merlin gets back to his house. He knows somebody important is coming, but he doesn't know who. He has a bird, oh, an owl, named Archimedes, who is sassy and grumpy the whole movie, right off the bat. But he then is able to see that who he's waiting for is a small boy. And we cut to, in the woods, there's a big guy, and he's trying to, like, hunt a deer, and he's got a small kid with him who looks like he's, like, 12, 13. And he ends up missing the deer because the kid, like, makes him trip. The kid, his name is Wart. He's sitting on an old tree that's like right above Kay, the other guy, who while he's trying to shoot a shot. And while he's doing that, the decaying tree, just like the branch that he's on, just cracks and he falls on top of him, which causes Kay to shoot the arrow into the sky over into this like dark forest to which he says, like, you made me miss my shot. Now go get the arrow. 
this made me think of like as a child watching this movie and watching Robin Hood. I thought like one of the big parts of bow hunting was go find your arrow because that seems to be a big thing that happens in Disney movies. If you use a bow and arrow and you lose the arrow, you have to go find it. So he runs off into the woods to which the big guy, whose name is Kay, you Kay. said? I just called him dummy the whole time. Okay. And Kay is like, oh, you're going to go into the woods? And he's like, yeah, you told me to get your arrow. And he's like, well, don't go in there. He's like, I'm not scared. And Dummy's like, there's wolves. And he's like, bye. So he takes off into the woods. Um, There's like a tiny skinny wolf that's chewing on bones. And he sees him and he starts chasing him. And right as Wart is about to get the arrow, he falls through Merlin's roof and lands in the chair in time for tea. Wart looks up, and he notices Archimedes the owl, and in his confusion, he's just like, oh, uh, where am I? What's going on? But then he looks at the owl and says, oh, you've got a really nice stuffed owl here, and he starts poking Archimedes, and Archimedes starts screaming at him and starts shouting at him in perfect English, and he's like, oh, this is uh, amazing. It's a live owl, and it speaks. And Archimedes is like, better than you! They serve him tea, and he just defiantly takes it, but he's just so insulted. So they serve tea, the sugar dish scoops out the sugar for itself, and it only stops when you say when. Wart tells it after like two scoops, but Merlin is paying attention to something else, so the sugar dish pours out all the sugar into Merlin's dish. It seemed like a very Alice in Wonderland type scene, like from that unbirthday tea time. Yeah, there's a lot of like visual gags like that. And basically, like, Merlin's asking him, like, how educated he is, and Wart is saying, like, he's only ever studied to be a squire. So he only knows things like swords and weightlifting and things like that. And Merlin's just, like, appalled that he hasn't learned anything in books. And Merlin says he wants to teach him everything about books, and Wart's like, I can't. I have to go back to the castle. And Merlin's like, okay, cool. We'll pack up. And so he just starts speaking gibberish, but it's like very clever rhyming. And he basically gets all of his stuff to line up in a row and it starts shrinking and going into his Mary Poppins bag. He's singing this song called Higgitus Figgitus. And uh, I just want to point out a quick little fun fact here. (gasps) Oh my God, you exploded over here in the corner. Fun Fun facts facts with with Joe Payo. So I wanted to point this out because this is one of the first songs that we hear. Aside from the narration song that you hear at the beginning, you mentioned like that it's kind of like a Mary Poppins type bag and he's singing like this nonsense Oh, yes, I song. did. Well, the reason why is because this is the first Disney film that employed the use of the Sherman Brothers, best known as being Disney film's greatest songwriters. Okay, that was Richard and Robert because yes. there were two sets of brothers in this movie. Well who worked on this movie, and both of the sets were named Richard and Robert. That's right. Sherman Brothers, also the author of Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, wrote the music for this. This was the first one that they did music for. A lot of their songs were cut, but this is one of them that stayed in and is very uh, demonstrative of their craft. Merlin packs up all his stuff, and they head towards the castle. But before Wart and Merlin get to the castle, you see Hector and Dummy... And Hector is, like, yelling at Dummy, like, why did you lose him in the woods? And Dummy's like, here's not my problem. He ran off. So Hector is basically, he's this big, rotund, fat man who's always wearing armor. And he has this big, orange mustache. Dummy, or K, is his son. And he has, like, the same color as the mustache, the same, like, he has red hair. 
I always thought when I was growing up that he was the same guy from the video game Dragon's Lair. Like it looked like the animation style looks exactly the same, and I just figured that that was the same guy. I was just like, oh, hey, the guy from the video game from the arcade is here in this movie. I'm not familiar with that video game, but I would appreciate if from this point forward you referred to K as dummy. Okay. Because otherwise my notes are going to get confusing. <laughs> so basically, uh, they mentioned the fact that Wart is, and because they even talked earlier at Merlin's cabin, Wart said that he's an, he's an orphan, he doesn't know who his parents are, he has no idea like what his lineage is. So when they introduce Hector, he's explaining that uh, they took in Wart and that they had basically adopted him. So he's kind of like a son to Hector. But all that Hector does is he gives him demerits. So anytime he does anything wrong, he says, that's four demerits, that's four hours working in the kitchen, and he just does that, and that's just kind of his life. So Merlin and Wart show up, and Merlin convinces Hector to allow Merlin to teach Wart. And he's like, well, as long as it doesn't affect his squire duties, that's fine. And he allows Merlin to live in the North Tower, which is this falling down, raggedy, leaking tower to which Merlin grumbles, and Ark is not happy. Archimedes. I refer to him as Ark in my notes, because I'm not going to write out Archimedes while I'm trying to take notes. Like, I can't even spell Archimedes. I did laugh that whenever Merlin gets mad at Archimedes, he threatens to turn him into a human, which Archimedes was like, that's the worst thing ever. Burr, 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 burr. There's big news from London. Some guy shows up and says that there's going to be a tournament on New Year's Day, and the winner is going to be the King of England. So they decide that Kay was, will be competing and that if Wart is ready, he will become his squire. They celebrate this by pouring some glasses of wine and cheersing. Excuse me? Uh, they poured glasses of wine. Excuse what? me? Yeah, yeah. See, they wine poured... you peer upon the screen. Wine you peer upon the screen. Wine you peer upon the screen. So they cheers and they tell Wart, like, this is great news for you. And he's like, okay. And he's, he's carrying a big load of dishes to the kitchen and falls down. And that's the end of the scene. The next day, Kay has to get his jousting on. So they're trying to like train him. Wart is like working this mechanical jouster on a horse. And as Kay charges at it, he gets hit by it and ends up being flung about 500 feet. <laughs> Hits the tower that Merlin's staying in and rocks it. Okay, you're not referring to him as dummy. Oh, sorry. I find that rather offensive. Okay, uh, from here on out, he will be dumb. I have to go <laughs> through and change all of my notes now <laughs> to make sure they line up with your notes. <laughs> I just wrote dummy and Hector's dumb son. And actually, I was really confused about who Hector was at first, so I kept writing the king, which didn't make any sense because the whole movie is that the fact that the king of England there is no king. there is no king. They mentioned that in the very beginning. They're like, and also in England, there was no king for hundreds of years. Right. Move ahead. And I was like, I, I think there was. Which but. I was going to say, we just went to Scotland <laughs> and we just learned all the history. And no, there was always a king or queen of England. So Merlin hears the news about the New Year's tournament and he's and he's kind of ecstatic. He's like, oh, yeah, this is great. This is how we can get war to where he needs to be. Also, I'm definitely going to use magic to cheat in this tournament. Like, he just flat out says that, like, oh, yeah, it's cheating time. But first, Merlin still has some lessons to teach Ward. The idea in teaching him the lessons is he's already seen the future. He knows how things work out. 
he doesn't really specifically flat out say it, but he knows that Wart is going to become the king of England. And so his whole thing is, I'm not going to overwhelm him with a whole lot of stuff, but he's a 12-year-old kid. I'm going to teach him about life and the world so that when he does become king, he'll be like uh, an honorable and just king who understands life and the universe and everything. So he helps him by turning him into a fish. Yeah. I don't really understand Merlin's lessons. The thing in the fish that I got from it is he's trying to teach him about dualities. They're trying to make it kind of visually interesting. And so in this, he starts singing the song about to and fro, stop and go, where he's like, for every like action, there's an opposite reaction kind of thing. But he does it in the most roundabout way. Like he's trying to be whimsical. But what ends up happening every single time is he turns Wart into an animal. The animal is chased by a predator and then is saved at the last second from being chomped in the predator's jaws by somebody pulling on the predator's tail. That happens three times in this movie. Yep. So this time, uh, Wart is a small fish. Merlin's a slightly larger fish with glasses, always. You would think that when he became another animal, you know, he'd give himself better sight. But well, it's got to be recognizable. Always with glasses. Well, he's always blue. Yeah. Who would expect a blue fish? Well, blue fishes are normal, but blue squirrels? He's always blue. He always has his mustache, his white mustache, and he always has his spectacles. Um, so they're like swimming around. He like tells Wart, like, you have to use your brain to think about how fish swim. And then Wart eats a bug to which he's like, I eat a bug. And Merlin's like, Ugh, gross. And they like continue on. And then there's a barracuda. The barracuda chases Wart around because they're they're swimming around in the moat of the castle. And so in the moat, there's like old pieces of armor and weaponry and things like that, I guess, from past sieges. Uh, It's the first time we saw a sword. We see a sword. It's a broken sword. It's not the sword. sword. But I was like, oh, foreshadowing. So Merlin gets caught in uh, the helmet of a suit of armor and he's just stuck in there. He's like, you're on your own, kid. And the... Wart's just like, use your magic. You have to help me. I'm being pursued and I'm going to be murdered. And he says, this is a good, this is a good opportunity for a lesson. You have to outsmart him. He's like, brains versus brawn. Go ahead, my boy. <laughs> Which, okay, I thought barracudas were saltwater fish. There might be freshwater ones. I don't know enough about fish. We should ask Gillian. We should. Hey, Gillian. Was that a pause for her to say, yeah, yeah, Brenna? (laughs) (laughs) This is the marine biology corner. (laughs) I was under the impression that barracuda were saltwater fish, and here we are, like, in the moat of a castle, which is not saltwater. Maybe it is a salty. What if they pour, like, a ton of salt in? Maybe. It's not the ocean. Some Epsom salt, so they can have a nice little bath after a battle. Anyway, this barracuda chases after them. He outsmarts the barracuda, um with the help of archimedes yeah so, so that's he's not, the thing he's not doing so great like he's trying little things here and there like hey maybe if i swim through this piece of like drawbridge chain his face will get stuck and it does for a moment and then he's like well maybe i'll hold one of these arrows and prop his mouth open which it does for a moment but he snaps it so as he finally gets up to the surface and the barracuda and the, this little goldfish are jumping out of the surface Archimedes the owl, who has said, like, you guys do what you want to do. I'm just going to nap in the tree. He swoops down and he decides he's going to try to save Newt. His name's not Newt. It's Wart. (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking of aliens. Good old Newt. So he decides he's going to save him. He, like, swims into the water and he's, like, fighting against this barracuda. 
By the way, he is using all of the moves of Captain Hook versus the alligator. He like puts his feet in, into like the jaws as it's trying to snap and he gets slingshotted out of it. He like clamps down fully on the jaws to make sure that they don't open up. Like he's basically being Captain Hook and he ends up a wet mess at the base of a tree. And then Merlin comes up later and says, you saved him out of the goodness of your heart. And Archimedes like, oh no, I saw a fish that I really wanted to eat. And I, uh, you know, I was just there to eat it. So Merlin and Wart, or Newt, turn back into humans, and Wart runs back to the castle and is, like, telling Hector and Dummy about his experience, and and they don't believe him. Even though they know that he is being taught by a wizard who has shown them miracles in front of their eyes. But instead, he's given six demerits and told to go to the kitchen to clean dishes. Here comes my favorite part. This kitchen is filled with thousands upon thousands of dirty dishes. Like this kitchen is like a full castle kitchen. We just got back from Scotland. We saw a lot of castles. Those kitchens are big. Those kitchens are bigger than our entire apartment. And this castle was floor to ceiling with dirty dishes. Wart has to start cleaning them. And he says, oh no, I can't go out for lessons today because I have to clean all these dishes. Merlin says, oh, don't worry, I got this. He starts doing some hickety-fickety magic, and they start, like, Sorcerer's Apprentice washing themselves, floating in the air. They go off and do a whole adventure. They come back probably hours later, and it's like not a dent has been made in these dishes. Yeah, I wrote that down. <laughs> I was like, so not only, they like, there's, like, thousands upon thousands of dirty dishes. Like, do they just have an infinite supply of dishes? Did they never wash dishes before in their lives? So it's time for the next lesson. They sneak away. Merlin even says, like, oh, it sucks you had to do dishes. I was going to do some really fun squirrel things. And so then when they do the dishes, he's like, all right, let's go. The next scene, you don't even see the scene start. They're already mid-lesson. Wart is now a squirrel, and he's trying to leap from tree to tree. And the whole idea is the whole, like, look before you leap sort of thing. But then immediately, Wart is attacked by a pink squirrel with long eyelashes. It's a lady squirrel. Oh, no. She's not pink. She's She's red. red. (laughs) Because Merlin says, "Uh uh-oh, that's a girl squirrel and a redhead at that. That is a quote. So she is so in love with Wart, and she's, like, crawling all over him. She's just pawing at him. Anytime he tries to walk away, she pulls him by the tail, starts kissing him all over the face. He's, like, trying to talk to the squirrel, being like, I'm not a squirrel, I'm a boy! And Merlin's just laughing at it. And then Wart says, well, you gotta use your magic so that so that she can, like, leave me alone. And he's like, <laughs> there's no magic that's more powerful than attraction. And so I'm not going to do anything about it. He's like really kind of like uppity and he's kind of a jerk about it. Leashing this mature squirrel on a 12-year-old boy. Yeah, Merlin like refuses to help him. He's like, nope, you're on your own. You have to figure this out. Also, this is love. Ha ha. Bye. And he like sings a song about it that's also kind of weird being like, I was trying to teach you about the attraction of objects and gravity and things like that. Well, now what about the attraction between animals? Except that it backfires on Merlin because this 
fat girl squirrel comes up to Merlin. It's got like buck teeth and it's just like nuzzling all over him. And he's like, oh, now I have, now I really have to. And she is like aggressive. Like the other squirrel is just like, oh, like a sexy squirrel. And this squirrel is like aggressive and is like ripping the hair out of like Merlin's tail and stuff. At the end of the scene, Merlin finally says, like, okay, I guess enough is enough now that I'm the one that's in danger. Turns himself into human, scares away the, the, the fat squirrel, starts barking at it, too. It's like climbing up the tree. He's like, oh, 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 and it runs away. Meanwhile, he finally turns Wart back as, uh, well, Wart was being chased by that wily coyote wolf that was, like, chasing after him before. And the squirrel, yeah, the girl squirrel saves him. And then she's like hugging him. And then that's when Merlin turns him back. And the squirrel realizes it's hugging a boy, gets scared, runs away. And then it just starts like crying so hard in like the hollow of a tree. But Ward is real nice about it. He's like, I'm sorry, I tried to tell you. And he was like real nice about it. Whereas Merlin like barked his squirrel away. (laughs) Meanwhile, back at the castle, Hector and Dummy are doing some more of their training, and Hector's actually a much better fighter than Dummy because he keeps smacking him on the head and, like, crushing his head inside of his armor. There's so much head smacking in this entire movie. The, uh, I guess the maid comes running in, just, like, screaming, like, Oh, it's the kitchen! The kitchen is haunted! And they go running in, and they see the dishes still washing themselves. Doesn't look like anything has been done since like I said, it's been gone hundreds of thousands of dirty dishes it's ridiculous so then hector and dummy decide they're gonna fight the dishes so they go running at it at at these floating dishes and smashing all the porcelain plates but then all the the pans and everything start smacking them and then the brooms and and mops start like dunking their heads in the water and just basically just beating them up and then that's when merlin comes in and uh, Hector says, oh, you've been using black magic. I warned you. You're not supposed to use black magic. And Roland says, so washing dishes and mopping floors, that's black magic now? Okay, I guess. <laughs> he stops the whole spell and and everyone's really, really angry at each other. And in that commotion, Wart loses his chance to go to London. Like, Dummy's like, I'm not going to take you to London. I'm going to take Hip Hop or Hoom Ha. was the other guy's name? I have no idea. I didn't catch it. He was the guy that brought the, the news of the tournament. I feel like it's like Hamshmamsh. Okay. That's probably it. It's Hamshmamsh. Yeah. If it so, wasn't before, it is now. Hamshmamsh is going to get to go to London in place of Wart. To Wart's like devastated. And Merlin like feels really bad. He's like, let me teach you more. Well, at the same time, Merlin is like, whatever. Like, that's just like grunt work. Nobody cares about that. I'm going to teach you knowledge. I'm going to teach you about the world. I'm going to teach you more things than people nowadays in your time understand. And so he says, let's go over geography. A lot of people think the world is flat. World ain't flat. World is round. Like he's doing like Copernican theory, like right at the 400 years early. And Archimedes is just like, don't, don't, no, we're not doing this right now. He's like, you're going to confuse the boy. He's going to start wearing shoes on his head. Archimedes starts saying, like, you can't learn from the future. You have to learn from the past. So basically he's saying all, like, modern science is off limits. And so Merlin gets so angry. He starts vaping in Archimedes' face. Like, he just shoots a big puff cloud right in his face and says, fine, you teach him. You're the schoolmaster now. And Archimedes is like, okay, I'm going to teach him how to read and write. Well, because we find out that Wart can't read or write. And so then Archimedes is like, 
I'm going to teach you. So we see him, like, copying down letters, and he's, like, like, Ward is so proud of himself. He's, like, Merlin, look at me, look at me. And Merlin basically is, like, screw you, and turns him into a bird, and goes to try to teach him, like, a lesson on birds, and Ark is, like, I'll teach him I'm a bird, and Merlin's, like, screw you. Well, he lets him do it, because he says, like, I think I know how to teach him about bird stuff, because I am a bird and always have been but he teaches him flying so they go off and fly off and then a hawk comes out of nowhere again the hawk almost snaps bird wart in his jaws but archimedes tugs on his tail and he just escapes (sighs) oh sorry i yawned and then brenda got so bored (laughs) of the sword and the stone what I just now? Yawned. I just yawned. It's okay. There's 20 minutes left in the movie. Okay. I literally wrote <laughs> at this point, there's 20 minutes left and there's no villain and no sword. And no stone. So the hawk shows up, forces Wart into the forest, and he actually falls through a chimney into the witch's home. The witch is mad, 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 madam Mim. No, Marvelous. Well, she says Mad Mad later, but she calls herself at first Marvelous Madam Mim. No, Marvelous Mad Madam Mim. Marvelous Mad Min Man Mad Men. No, it's Marvelous Madeline. No, I wrote this Manchester. Marvelous Mad Madam Mim. She's Madam Mim. She's an evil witch. She uh, has a very distinctive look. She's got purple hair and wears a pink dress. And she just revels in being evil. When she starts talking to Wart, Wart says, oh, no, I'm not a bird. I'm a person. Merlin turned me into this. She's like, oh, Merlin, I know him. Wart says, starts talking about it like, yeah, he's a really powerful wizard. She's like, he's not as powerful as me. And she starts kind of demonstrating how powerful a sorceress she is by killing a flower and turning into a pig face. Well, but then she turns herself beautiful. Yes. I use quotes with my hands because it's just like giant boobs, big eyes, tiny waist. And then she turns back and she's like, but I'm really ugly. But that's what she loves. She loves being ugly. She loves being bad and evil is her thing. So since she can't really convince Wart that she is a better sorceress than Merlin, because he keeps saying like, well, Merlin does magic too, but it's educational. She says... Oh, yeah? Okay. Well, let me just really show you how powerful I can be. So because he's still a tiny bird, she turns into a cat, and she looks kind of like the Cheshire Cat with her pink color. And she, like, just starts chasing him all over her cabin, just knocking over everything. Well, she tells him, like, oh, you like Merlin? That means I have to kill you. She's like, but I like to make games of things. And so she's like, I'll give you a sporting chance. But she doesn't, because she catches him instantly, and she's like, I'm going to wring your tiny bird neck. At that point, the door bursts open, there's like a cyclone of sparkles, and then Merlin shows up, and he's like, Madam, ma'am, you let go of my friend! And she's just like, what? No, I just have a tiny bird here. They decide that they're going to settle their differences with a wizard duel. Wizard duel! Wizard duel! duel. Wizard duel 2019! This Sunday, the best wizards! Bow, bow. Showing off with magic. Bow, bow, bow. Magic to the extreme. <laughs> it was given to us in that way. Like that was how it was sold to us. In reality, they spend like a solid minute walking out to a clearing in the forest. They set up a series of rules. Mim says no minerals or vegetables, 
only animals, no make-believe items, no disappearing, and Merlin says no cheating. So those are the rules. Mim instantly breaks the rules, disappears immediately. Well, before that, Archimedes is like, oh, great. Like, he, like, perches on the same branch with Wart, who's still a bird, and he's like, oh, here we go, wizard duel time. And Wart says, so how does this end? And uh, Archimedes says, it ends when one of them destroys the other one. And Wart says, wait, did you say destroyed? And Archimedes is like, just just watch, just watch. It'll be fun. Just watch. <laughs> <laughs> so they start. Mim instantly disappears. Shows up on the other side of Merlin. And she's an alligator. But she's the alligator from Peter Pan. Just in pink. And he's still human, and he she bites him, but he just, like, shrinks down into his hat. And he is, uh, what is he when he first starts? Oh, he's a turtle. That's right. Because she reaches in with her alligator hands to grab him out of the hat. Because, yes. you know, alligators have opposable thumbs. And she reaches in, and then he's a turtle, so he bites her. She drops him. She starts chasing him, and then she turns into a rabbit. He turns into a rabbit, runs off. She turns into a rabbit and rips his turns butt off. Yeah. Oh, is it a fox? She's a fox because she the rips foxes his kill the rabbits. butt off. Yeah. Well, he, she like pulls off his little cottontail, and so he's got this little stem like. And he's tail. like, out! <laughs> like he looks legitimately in pain. Like she rips his butt off. She rips his butt off. That is the title of this episode. <laughs> they run into a log, and to get out, he becomes a caterpillar. And he, so he pops at the top, to which Mim is like, you can't disappear, which, Mim, girl, you just disappeared like a little while ago, so he could if you wanted to, but he didn't. So since he's a little grub, she turns into a chicken, and she starts, like, tugging on him because he's, like, hanging on to it. There's a lot of hanging on to branches in this while, like, people tug, on, tug down on you. So she's a chicken. She's trying to eat him. And he's just, like, holding on. She launches him in the air. He becomes a walrus and slams down on top of her. Then she becomes an elephant and lifts him up. And because she's an elephant, he becomes a mouse and she screams. And then she becomes a tiger to chase the mouse. It's then, like the old woman swallowing a fly. Yeah, then the mouse tries to bite the tiger's tail, but she becomes a rattlesnake. Then he becomes a crab to try to break the... Did you write all of these down? I did. I did. <laughs> Uh, he becomes a crab to snap her neck, but then she, she becomes, becomes a, a rhino, rhino, so the neck is now a horn. Then he becomes a goat to try well, to throw her Because she charges off the cliff. at him, and he dodges out of the way, but she, like, slams into, like, this decaying tree, and she's stuck. And so he's like, all right, here we go. And he, like, pulls up his sleeves, becomes a goat, and just, like, pushes her in the butt, like, right up against... Into, into a, a water. The well, water. he throws her off a cliff into the water, but then she becomes a dragon, which he's like, he's ah, like no, hey, like... And she says, like, I specifically said no purple dragons or something like that. that she's said like, she's did I say dragon. no purple dragons? Yeah. To which it was like, no, she you said, said no, no mythical creatures, something. you jerk. I think it was between pink and purple, because she's like, nothing imaginary such as pink dragons, and now she's a purple dragon. Yeah, she was a jerk. So he's uh, he kind of disappears. And then she's like, you're not allowed to disappear. And he's like, I didn't didn't disappear. I became a gem. A germ. A gem. (laughs) He said, I became a germ. (laughs) And he starts like explaining like what, like you just hear his voice kind of echoing. And he's explaining the symptoms. He's like, first you develop spots. Then you go from hot to cold and cold to hot. And you see like her kind of going through all of that. 
And then and she's sneezing, she's sneezing, she's sneezing fire. Which, okay, so here's the thing. He says he becomes a, a germ, but in order for there to be, like, these kinds of symptoms, he probably became, like, a colony of germs, right? You- and for her to get sick, he actually invaded into her body and, like, started breaking down her immune system. Okay, husband, are you really adding logic into this? Yes, I am! Because he said he became a germ. Basically, like, he puts her to bed? And but is there still parts like, of him that are making her sick? That's what I wondered when, when, like, he walked away. Because then he obviously won. So he puts her back to bed and says, like, you have to rest and you'll be fine in a couple of weeks. And you he's just like, have to get lots of sunshine. of sunshine. And he, like, tears a hole in her roof. And she's like, oh, I hate sunshine. And she's, like, super mad that she lost. But she's still alive. Mm-hmm. And he, like, walks away. Which I guess, like, yeah, if he was the germ, then it would be out of her body. So we just fast forward to the winter times. It's like holiday celebrations. It's Christmas-ish time. They're toasting to dummy, saying like, you're going to win. You're going to be the next king of England. And that's when the kitchen wench runs in and is like, Humph Bumph is sick with the mumps. And he can't be your squire. What did we name him? Humusha? It's, I don't know. That's in your brain. Dude, I don't know. And she's like, he can't be, he can't be your squire. He's six with the mumps. And so they turn to Wart and they're like, you're going to London. You're going to be dummy squire. And they give him these robes that he wears that are too big for him. And he's so excited. And so he goes running over to Merlin in his tower. Merlin's just sitting there puffing on his pipe. And he's just like, look, check me out, Merlin. Look, I'm going to be a squire. I'm going to London. I'm doing this. All of my dreams are coming true. And Merlin's like, fine i don't care go be a lunk go be a dumb meathead and like lift things and move things around i was trying to teach you how to be a good man but you just want to do manual labor i'm going to bermuda yeah merlin gets so mad at him work gets crazy offended he starts crying all of this is happening we paused because i probably had to go to the bathroom or we needed more wine there's eight minutes left in the movie eight minutes left Still no sword. Still no stone. So Merlin just up and flies off to Bermuda. He turns into a rocket and just leaves. To which Wart is like, what's Bermuda? And Ark is like, "Uh, it's probably something in the future. It's uh, someplace that hasn't been discovered yet. When is he going to be back? He's like, probably never. I like the idea (laughs) that Merlin flew off to like a sandals in Bermuda, like in the future. But he did. No, he did. There's eight minutes left in this movie. So we cut to London. The tournament's going on. Dummy is waiting. He's like next in line to go on the... Joust. Joust. I was like horse swords. Like I want to say horse swords. So jousting. So up until this moment, you've seen him practicing the jousting, which is, you know, just being on the horse and, and riding with the lances and trying to knock each other off the horse. But you see like this one right before he goes on. Both of them get knocked off the horse. And so when that happens, the two people have to just fight each other with sword and shield. And so they sit, turn around. They're just like, oh, yeah, see, look at that. They're using swords. To which Dummy turns around to Wart and says, like, you got my sword, right? And Wart says, oh, no, I left it at the end. Like, he just kind of says, like, oh, no. So he... I mean, he really is the worst squire. Like, there's horrible. been a number of times in the movie where he's like, I forgot that thing. And it's like... 
dude, you forgot his, like, sword or you forgot his, like, shield or you, like, knocked his, like, bow out of place? Like, dummy. Like. And that is one of the things that a squire like, does. is a dummy and dummy is a dummy. <laughs> Everyone's a dummy. One of the things that squires have to do is, of course, they have to, like, make sure that everybody's outfitted with everything. It is a lot of manual labor. And at one point, Merlin even says to Wart, you're just going to be a squire, all muscle and no brains? And and Wart's just like, I, I don't even have muscle. <laughs> He's like, well, how do you move around? He's like, I guess I have tiny muscles. <laughs> so, yeah, he is the worst squire. Ever. Yeah, Wart is pretty terrible. So he goes running to the inn where they're staying. He's trying to open the door, and he's just like, please let me in, let me in. Archimedes is with him, and he says, yeah, nobody in town is open because they're all at the tournament, because this is the tournament that decides who becomes king of England. And he's just like, well, what about that over there in the churchyard? And you see, finally, the sword in the stone just sitting there in the middle of a churchyard. Oh, what is that? Six minutes left in the movie? And it's just sitting there, and he's just like, I don't care. I just need any sword. He just pulls it out, like, and as he's, like, kind of reaching for it, there's this, like, light coming down from the sky. These angelic voices singing. And so he even, like, touches it, and he gets freaked out and walks away, and then it all, it all stops. And then he comes walking up again, he touches it again, and it does that. It's like he can hear the angelic voices. And he keeps doing that over and over, and finally he just pulls it out, and he's like, all right, let's go back to the tournament. And Ark is like, um... <laughs> Yeah, okay, whatever. And they go running back to the tournament. Well, Archimedes is even just like, we got to get back as soon as we can. So they head back over there, and Wart hands Dummy the sword, and Dummy's like, okay. And then right at the last minute, Hector's like, what is this sword? Like, that's not your sword. Well, that's what Dummy says. He gets really upset because he, he looks at the sword. He's basically holding Excalibur, and he's just like, this ain't my sword. You're so stupid, you can't get my sword. And then that's when Hector sees the inscription on it and it says wait this is that inscription that says whosoever pulls this is ordained by heaven to be king of england then everybody's like where did you get this and wart's like i pulled it from a anvil and they start laughing at him saying of course you did (laughs) no you didn't and then he says like no no you gotta believe me and so they're saying okay if you can do that then you can do it again so the entire tournament follows him back to this anvil and it's not a rock it's an anvil they say that multiple times he puts the sword back into the anvil and everybody else tries to remove it nobody can because before he pulls it out because hector says okay you did it once you do it again k sorry dummy pushes him out of the way and says oh he already pulled it out so it's already been loosened so it, it probably comes right out again and he starts pulling at it and nothing happens and then Hector is helping him try to pull it out. Then more people are gathering around and just six of them pulling it at once and nothing's happening. And Wart goes and pulls it with one hand. So with four minutes left in the movie, Wart pulls out the sword again and everybody bows to him, including Hector, including Dummy. Because Hector's like, bow to your king. And Dummy's like, and bows to him and then looks up like he's going to be snarky, but then like realizes like he needs to respect him and like looks down again. Hector even says to Wart, just like, please forgive me. Will I ever be forgiven? Like, he's like, he's just like groveling and begging for forgiveness. And Wart's just like, you don't have to do that. It's okay. Then we cut to Wart sitting on the throne. So he's the king. He's wearing like the king robes and the crown that's too big for him. And he has the sword next to him in the castle. 
there is nobody else there. He Not is alone. Soul. It's just him, him and Ark. And Archimedes, the crown won't even stay on his head. It just keeps slumping down over his face. And he just turns to Archimedes and says, like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. We have to leave. So Ark is like, try out the side door. He goes out one side door and everybody's like, King Arthur! Which I guess we should have said, like, there's some regal person who's at the tournament and he's like, who is this boy? And like Hector walks up and goes like, this is war. And then he goes, oh, this is Arthur. And that's when it's like, oh, it's King Arthur. So everybody is just like chanting his name as they try to go out the side door. You just hear like the crowds of people. So it's like there's nobody in the castle. He has no servants. He has no noblemen or any kind of court or anything like that. They all just hang out outside screaming all hail King Arthur over and over and over again. And he tries multiple doors to try to leave. And every time he opens it up, they get pushed back by the force of the people's breaths and their voices because he flies backwards every time of this the yeah king Arthur. so ward is like i need merlin and then merlin bursts through the ceiling and shows up in tropical clothing he's wearing and converse, converse and like modern swim trunks and sunglasses and they're like how was berminda 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 and they're he's, he's like, like bermuda. bermuda i was in the 20th century <laughs> i was in the 20th century and you know what they can have it and and warp basically says like make me back to normal and merlin's like no he's like of course you're king arthur and the knights of the round table to which Wart was like, what? And he's like, don't worry. There'll be a motion picture about you. You'll be great. <laughs> yeah. He says, like, there's going to be stories about you. Everybody's going to write books and everything like that. And he's like, you might even get a motion picture. And Wart says, what's a motion picture? And he's like, eh, it's, it's kind of like television, but there's no commercials. The end. Like, that's the last that's line. The end. <laughs> that's it. That's the last line of the movie. It ends super abruptly. <laughs> like, that's it. I did notice when he kind of comes in because he kind of he's this magical creature that rockets in and he's like wearing this like vacation he's like clothing. The genie. I was thinking the very end of I Aladdin was, where it's yeah. the genie where he's just like wearing like all like he's like we're going to Disney mm-hmm. World kind of thing. So I think that maybe once we get to Aladdin, we'll be discussing that. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was very uh, genie esque. So Brenna, what did you think of the Sword in the Stone? It was all right. Like I feel like it should have been retitled like. Not the sword in the stone, since the Arthur sword in Origins. the stone showed up like eight minutes before the movie ended. Yeah, for me, I thought that Madame Mim had a bigger role in it. You were saying this the whole time. You're like, Where where's, like where's, where's the witch? Where's the witch? Where's because the witch? From my memory, I thought she was the main antagonist of the movie, but she's just kind of this side character who's just like she is a foil to Merlin, but she doesn't present any kind of difficulty to the story. It's really just like, she's this unpleasant person, we gotta get away from her, and then we did, and now it's done. Like She's uh, more like the apple trees in Wizard of Oz, of just like, okay, she created a little bit of friction, but now we're done. Like, honestly, the part I remembered the most was, like, the fish in the water. I also think I mixed that up with, like, bed knobs and broomsticks. Mm-hmm. So, I also think, like, in my childhood, I mixed those up, and so I thought the fish sequence went on for a lot longer. I thought they were in the water for most of the movie. I think also in my memory, I confused it with Robin Hood, where I thought the actual tournament took place a lot earlier and carried on for a lot longer. But yeah, like so much of it, we kept turning to each other being like, what is this movie? Because it was like a series of 
strange like animal stories that were kind of put together with the semblance of a plot. Here's a story about a young fish learning about how to be a fish. Here's a story about a young squirrel learning how to be a squirrel. And just like all of those kind of pieced together. Even when the wolf was stalking him in the forest, we we're just like, oh, wily e. Coyote over here. Because it's all this weird slapstick stuff that feels more like a Looney Tunes thing. This is definitely a movie like for kid kids because it's, it's, it's a lot of physical humor. Yeah, I, I gotta say like after Lady and the Tramp and like... All the beautiful music from Lady and the Tramp. This was not my favorite. I thought this was this was a very like primitive movie. Like a lot of the humor was slapstick. There was no storyline whatsoever. Like the so-called villain was not really a villain. It was just like, yeah, it was a series of gags. And it was all very surface in this. There was nothing that made me feel like oh, wow, like, this is a great journey, and, like, there's so much growth. It was just kind of, like, gags. Well, even the part that I wrote down, like, when they turned into fish, and they, prior to them getting into the pond, I thought that that was the most beautiful animation. Mm -hmm. When, like, a dragonfly touched on the water, I thought that was the most beautiful. That was it. Like, I wrote down nothing else regarding the animation. Like, I did not think this was that great of a movie. I feel like it was a side thought. Yeah. Well, I have one question for you. Would you like some fun facts? Joseph, I would always like some fun facts. Fun facts. With Joe Payo. So one thing I realized in the opening credits, this is one of the first times that you actually see a directed by credit and it's one person. Oh. So this is the first Disney animated movie with a, uh, a single director. His name is Wolfgang Reitherman. He was one of the, the nine old men that was Walt Disney's guys who like basically created Walt Disney animation. So normally these movies, they're all directed by supervising teams of people. This is the first one that was like written by one person, directed by one person. Not written directed by the same person. So Wolfgang Reitherman actually directed a lot of Disney movies. Basically, he directed this one and was the main director for a lot of the Disney movies up until the 1980s. So he has a good like 25 years of being the direct the sole director of Disney's animated features. Dang, like which other ones? Well, we'll get there. Oh, so like all of them. Yeah. Cool. Wolfgang, my boy. <laughs> this is the start of his illustrious career as director. Would you like another fun fact? Husband, I would love another fun fact. Okay, let's get into it. <clears throat> Here's a fun fact. The character designer, Bill Pete, uh, based the attitude and design of the character of Merlin on Walt Disney himself. Oh. Because apparently Walt Disney was also argumentative, cantankerous, but still very playful and intelligent. Disney didn't realize that he was based on him, but one of the giveaways was that he gave him Walt Disney's nose. So if you really kind of think about like Merlin's kind of hook nose, is very, very similar to Walt Disney's. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And here's one more little fact. Ooh. A lot of the elements of Sleeping Beauty were recycled for this, which 
seems kind of apparent. Like, a lot of the des- background designs looked very similar. I feel like a lot of this movie was just recycled. Yeah. Like, there's no plot. Even the, the dragon the- is clearly Maleficent. That's, that, that is one of the things. The dragon was, like, Maleficent. The fire that the dragon breathed was a, the same exact effect as when Maleficent did. Also, the owl, Archimedes, is basically the same character design as the owl in the forest that Aurora, like, sang with. Yeah, this movie was, it felt like a side thought. Apparently, it's based on a story. That's what it said in the opening credits. So maybe there is a storybook that is very similar to it of just like young Arthur being turned into animals. I don't know. I didn't do that much research on it. But it definitely felt like the story itself was a loose outline so that they could just do some like silly gags that they would normally do when they're like short movies. So, Brenna, any final thoughts on Walt Disney's The Sword in the Stone? I can't say this was my favorite. It was all right. I guess it was fun to watch. There were fun moments. I can't say I super enjoyed it. It was what it was. It definitely was a very strange sort of flow as far as plot, if there is any. You're spending a lot of time on like very, very odd situations that don't really feed into what the final message is. Which it's like the final message was said right in the beginning where it's just like, this kid's going to be king. I have to make sure he's educated. That's the whole thing. Yeah, like I know I'm very impartial to dogs, but I feel like after watching like 101 Dalmatians and Lady and the Tramp where the story was like so clear and it was so well flushed out that this just felt like a side thought. Like they threw it out there and it was what it was. I mean, unfortunately, I feel like that's what we're sort of getting into in the era of Disney, where it's just like visual gags going from one to the next, where it's less about just like, let's create a story and create something that we can relate to in our personal lives. Instead, it's more of just like, you want to see something silly that you can't see in live action? So what's our next movie? Our next movie is The Jungle Book. Ugh. It's not your favorite. Ugh. I just... (laughs) I don't remember liking that one as a child. I remember, like, even as a child going, ugh. All right. Well, we'll see when we take a look at it. So I feel like maybe after this movie, like, I'll be like, that was the greatest movie ever made. Who knows? Who knows? This is no way us telling our listeners, just, you can skip the next one. (laughs) No, don't skip the next one. We're on this journey with you. We'll still find some fun things. Well, with that, husband. With that. Cheers. Cheers.